So I like to think about 3D models and whether it's giving away CAD or animating it or making a photorealistic image as like the number one content format for my audience, which is what we built our agency for, for the metalworking leader. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the official episode number one of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and the co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76. We've got a first guest here today that I'm really excited about and I think is going to help us kick this thing off with a bang. So let me introduce Nick Golner. Nick is leading a new generation of manufacturers, combining the traditional values of his family's global metalworking business with innovative modern marketing strategies. After starting on the shop floor at Hennig Inc., fabricating machine protection components for CNC machine tools, Nick became a designated certified machine tool sales engineer, CMTSE, and received his BS in entrepreneurial marketing from the Florida Institute of Technology. Nick now serves as the sales and marketing director for advanced machine and engineering. And in 2018, Nick became a partner and co-host of the popular manufacturing leadership podcast, Making Chips. Shortly after joining, Nick helped expand the podcast platform into Making Chips 2.0, a full-scale marketing agency specifically targeting the metalworking industry. He's able to combine his passion for content marketing and metalworking by collaborating with a team of dynamic industrial marketers serving the Making Chips clients with results-driven marketing programs. So Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. It's an honor to be the first manufacturing executive on the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. That's pretty cool. Well, I figured we'd start with somebody who's got some experience with this whole podcasting thing. So seemed like a natural fit. So yeah, I've got got a few episodes under my belt. (laughs) Yes, you do. And we'll mention it again at the end. But for those of you listening, Making Chips podcast, this is one you should all be listening to. These guys have been doing it for years and Nick joined them and added a whole additional dynamic to it. So go check that out. So Nick, did my introduction do you justice or anything you'd you'd like to add to that? No, it was good. I I appreciate it. It's hard to say what I do in a concise way because I wear so many hats like a lot of other manufacturing leaders. But really, I'm just a third generation manufacturing kid from a company that designs and builds machine tools. It was founded by my grandfather and, you know, coming up with clever ways to optimize processes and design the machinery that does that. That's kind of like my family's DNA. So I just happen to love marketing, specifically content marketing like this. So. Awesome. Well, you and I have known each other for eh, must be about five or six years or so, and and we met when at least yeah maybe it was even maybe it at might least. even be I longer. Think, I think yeah because I I think I launched my new website that I actually called you for about five years ago, and we were talking a couple years before that just to yeah I was trying to yeah yes you were you were and you I remember you guys. You came through, you, you and some of your crew came through St. Louis where we're located and you, I think, I think you had a, maybe you had a customer down here that you were visiting or... It was one of my sales guys. Sales trip. Okay. So, yeah. I'm a, you know, like you mentioned, I'm a sales director yep. too. So like I was bringing one of my younger sales guys who is one of the, 
you know, Hey, we got to start doing some better marketing. And I was like, okay, we're going to go find this agency. I, yeah. I ended up finding you guys through like one of your guides that you created. Okay. I thought it was really well done. All right. Awesome. Well, very good. But I can remember we, we grabbed lunch down the street here in the central West end of St. Louis at the gambling whiskey house. I can remember sitting there with you guys and hearing your story. And I remember sitting here thinking, I don't know how I can justify trying to sell Nick and his crew marketing services because I'm pretty sure they, they know what they're doing and they've got it figured out. And while there are probably some skill sets you could have used from the outside, I, I can remember flat out emailing you the next day saying, you know what? I think you've got this. And I think, you know, I'd be curious to hear your perspective, but you're a few years down the road here. I, I feel like uh, I might've been right about that one. So, well, yeah. So I remember being pretty disappointed because I had kind of, <laughs> I kind of like sourced you guys out and I, I loved your story too, how it's a bunch of journalists who created an industrial marketing company. I think journalism is like the skill, you know, the number one in-demand skill for me, at least with my own agency is people who can pull a story out of something. Yeah. And so I wanted to hire you guys. And I remember being kind of disappointed that you were like, you know, I don't, I don't think we're the right fit for you because you've got so many other pieces in place. And, you know, you were pretty much saying like, we're not just like a boutique writing agency. We want, we want to do like a full holistic, you know, kind of turnkey marketing program for you. And I was really looking for you guys as like the storytellers to add an element to, to a program that I had already kind of built. Mm -hmm. But after that, you know, I thought about it more and I just really appreciated the honesty. And, you know, in hindsight, I think maybe you were right that it was better for me to kind of go through the lumps and bumps of trying to build my own program than just at the time, you know, hiring an agency to kind of guide me through it. So. Cool. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And I think you've done an amazing job, both, you know, on the AME side of the business and then, you know, of course, with making chips as well. So I'm, I'm excited about this conversation because I know you, you and I, obviously, we, we, I think when we started our first conversations, it's because we, we shared a lot of similar perspectives on things industrial marketing related. But what's interesting is we're coming at it from two different angles. You, know, you came up in manufacturing, in a manufacturing family. Mm -hmm. I came up in through marketing and, and design really was where I started. And, and then we've sort of found our way from different angles to this uh, middle ground, which is the industrial marketing world or sales and marketing for manufacturing organizations. And so, so I thought, you know, this would be a, a really interesting conversation. Mm -hmm. And I, I wanted to start out by talking specifically about content marketing. I know it's a passion of yours. It's a passion of mine. Absolutely. And so I think what, what I see, and I, I'm guessing you agree, but I want to hear your perspective is that in general, the industrial sector is lagging behind mm -hmm. dramatically on this front. And one of the things that really stood out from our first conversations years back was that, you know, I felt like you were kind of all over and that was rare for me to see where you get it, where, you know, for most manufacturers, content is, is about, you know, talking about how great we are and all, all the things we do and our capabilities and why our competition is garbage and our customer service is better than everybody. And it's all about, you know, me, me, me. And what I saw from you was that, you know, your perspective on it was we need to build and cultivate an audience by, helping solve problems, answer questions, guide them through the buying process. So I'd love to hear your, you, you talk about this. What, you know, what's your perspective on what content marketing is and specifically the role you think it needs to play inside of a manufacturing organization? 
Yeah, so I think one way to help understand what content marketing is, at least at least to me, and you know, we read a lot of the same people, so that they describe it this way as well. But when the content is your product, then you're likely doing content marketing. So instead of describing the value of another product, like we make the best widget and like all the things you just said, where the content's describing the value of something else. When the content is the value and when your content is the product and that product adds value to your target audience, then you're probably doing content marketing. And I think that's an important distinction because that's one of the reasons why I did what I did with forming this joint venture with the Making Chips guys. You know, both of my partners have businesses where they're, you know, in the manufacturing industry and owners and operators of manufacturing businesses. But the Making Chips podcast wasn't about car machine and tool or about Zenger's industrial supply company. It was about the manufacturing leader, the audience that they wanted to get to know. So they actually took the time to understand that audience. What's keeping them up at night? What are the topics that they want to talk about? How, how can we all build this community and grow together? And of course, you know, when it was natural in conversation, they mentioned their businesses and what they did. But the product was the Making Chips podcast and the mission to equip and inspire other manufacturing leaders. No one would have listened to it if they just talked about how great their machine shop was or how they supply the best tools with the best customer service at a great price. It was about creating a community. And to me, that's when the content becomes the product and you're doing content marketing. And so... I really liked what they were doing. And I was like, okay, how do I just let these guys know that I appreciate them? And I sent them a like, kind of a storytelling video that we had created just about like the broader meaning behind our company and our mission to bring more work back to the States and why it matters and why it's an issue of national security. So those guys liked it and they were like, oh, great storytelling. You should be a guest. And, you know, one thing led to another. But I, I think it's hard for our industry, for most people to understand, okay, I can't just talk about myself or my products. You, you kind of feel like you have to. Like everything I create needs to be about me and what I do. And that's actually one of the most destructive things you can do for your marketing program is just be self-centered. Totally agree. So. That would be my two cents on it. Yeah, and well said. And it's it's almost just, it's so natural for somebody to just jump to, here's who we are and what we do and, and why we're great. And you know, the reality is nobody's listening. They, they have their own, you know, your prospects and your customers, they have their own problems they're trying to solve. The things they're dealing with, whether they're engineers or plant managers or, or whoever they are, they're dealing with their job and what's in front of them today. And the last thing they need to do is hear, you know, somebody shouting some some marketing or sales message at them, especially when it's you know it, it's not something they need and and right now. So mm -hmm. that that mindset shift is when I see it happen with manufacturers, it's it's like this light bulb goes off, and then they can start turning a corner and thinking the way their their customers and prospects think. Yeah, and I'm I'm a fan of product marketing. I'm a f I'm like sure. I watch commercials. I enjoy commercials. I like watching people explain the value of a product. I just don't really think that's the content marketing that all the content marketers are talking about. Yes, that's you know like great product copywriting and great branding and all those things are important. Don't get me wrong. It's yeah. just when we think content marketing, the the product is the content itself, not the description of some other product. So. No, I think that's a really really interesting and, and great way to look at it. So. You know, you've got making chips, you've got AME. When you think about an organization like AME or, you know, 
maybe someone who would be a, a customer of the Making Chips agency. Something that that I'm guessing you maybe hear that that I certainly hear is from a salesperson or an engineer, or a technical professional. They say, you know, content's not my job. That's the marketer's job. The marketers they need to go make that stuff. And mm-hmm. and it's a red flag immediately when I hear that, or maybe not a red flag, but something that makes me say, well, hold on, hold on a second. And here's why. And I want to hear your your take on that. Yeah. So I think it comes down to like understanding what, what content does, what's the function of content. And like, if you're a salesperson and then you're in a room and your, your job is to communicate with these people, like whatever you say is your content. So if you're giving a PowerPoint presentation to a bunch of prospects, like that's your content. If, if your job is to stand up in front of a group of potential customers and describe why they should work with your business, that's your content. So if you're in a job where where a huge part of your job is communication, then content should matter to you. And it does matter to you. I think where people get tied up is, well, I'm I'm not a graphic designer or I'm not a great writer. I'm not more of a tactician when it comes to content where I actually like build and create the content. That's what we have, you know, great marketers and marketing agency and creatives. They, They can really help with that. But like content is everyone's priority, whether they want to admit it or not, they, they think it's their priority. They just need to kind of maybe reframe how they think to understand like, oh, so, you know, I have something to communicate, therefore I should care about content. And so I think one of the things that's detrimental to that kind of alignment we're trying to create is when we're dividing, okay, marketers do this and salespeople do that. And I think like Peter Drucker's got this definition of marketing, which is to create and deliver value to a target market at a profit. It's like, whose job is that? Is that a salesperson's job or is that a marketer's job? And like the answer is yes, it's everybody's job. So people do too much of this in all throughout our society where they're trying to kind of create distinctions and create divisions and polarize things. And I think the best companies don't really think about like, well, I'm a salesperson, so I'm going to cold call and knock on doors and give presentations. And I'm a marketer, so I'm going to like sit on the computer all day and I probably won't talk to customers that much, but I'll do a lot of writing and a lot of graphic design. Like those companies aren't going to get anything done. I, I almost don't even like calling it a sales department and a marketing department. Just, you know, what call it like the customer success department or something like that. Because sure. I think that the division hurts. Yeah, no, makes sense. I think something you said a second ago that sort of struck a chord is, you know, when you're an expert in something, whether you are a sales or marketing person in your organization or you're an engineer or you're, you know, wh- whoever you are, the things you say are your content, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's the marketer's job, at least from my perspective, it's the marketer's job, maybe the salesperson's job to, to package and deliver that content in a way that might be more scalable or can reach the right people. Mm-hmm. And that's why I believe that the expertise in the brains of, of your company's subject matter experts have to be the, the source of anything that, say, gets published, whether it's a written piece of content, whether it's a video mm-hmm. or an interview like this, right? It's, I think it's the marketer's job to sort of extract that knowledge and figure out how to package it, how to deliver it, how to get it in front of the right people. But it's got to come from the expert. Right. Yeah, it's a, that's a great way to say it. It can't be like, okay, marketers write a bunch of articles about you know, how I do engineering. Well, you're the one who knows that. <laughs> so that's why I was talking about journalism earlier. I love journalists. It's their job to kind of distill and extract knowledge from others and recreate it in a way that more people can understand and, and that it can have broader appeal. And so I'm always looking for a good journalist. Awesome. So the word on the street is that you've got a little hidden gem that's been gold for you on the content front. And I wanted to, to hear you kind of enlighten our listeners a little bit. 
Yeah, um, we don't think of this as content marketing. Is it's not you know one of the you know traditional forms of content marketing, but to me, it's like the most valuable form of content marketing for my audience. And that's we give away CAD models. So it's a digital representation of a physical product. It describes the product. It does a job for the audience. It saves them a bunch of time. They can plug it directly in their application to see if it fits, to see if it's something they want to purchase the you know physical manifestation of. So why is that not content? It is. And so for us, like we have a lot of engineers who need to buy our products and they need to you know apply them in their system. And if I can get them to download my CAD, there's a huge chance that they're going to buy the actual product from us. So we, we do a lot with 3D models and it's not just offering the CAD downloads for free. It's also, you know, try like you're, you guys have great writers, but try describing a mechanical thing with a blog post. And it's not the easiest way. It's not the right format in most cases. In some cases, you can elaborate on it and tell a story about it or explain it and the written format might help you. But for us, we've been taking 3D models and, and making them photorealistic and doing animations of how they work. And that has just been gold for my audience. So I like to think about like 3D models and whether it's giving away a CAD or animating it or making a photorealistic image as like the number one content format for my audience, which is what we built our agency for, for the metalworking leader. And so I just think, okay, is it an article, a blog post? Probably not. Is it a YouTube video? Maybe the animation will end up on YouTube, but it's not all the conventional forms of blogging or content marketing that everyone thinks of, but it's what's going to help my audience. So I always like to have the story dictate the format instead of the other way around. You know, what's the story you're trying to tell? And what a smart way to operate. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got you got to think about how, you know, in, in people who are out there talking and interfacing with customers, salespeople, account managers, they, you know, engineer to engineer conversations, these are the people who understand how your audience consumes information and wants, wants to gather information. And so I think it's just such a smart way to do it, you know. Yeah, why, why write some long form piece of content when, when what they want from everything you've experienced is, is CAD models? Let's put it out there and, yeah. and give them what they're looking for. And that's the thing that's going to help them move forward in the buying process and, and earn your trust in the process, right? Yeah. And sometimes a, a long form piece of content is great. It's just not always the answer. So what I found when I was looking for a lot of different marketing agencies before I had my own was most of the proposals would be like, okay, we're going to give you this many blog posts a month or this many videos. or And it's like, well, you don't really know what you're trying to communicate yet. So how do you know what format you should communicate it in? And for me, it was like, am I more likely to get someone to give me an email address in exchange for a CAD model or in exchange for a written article that describes the CAD model? They just want the damn CAD model. Yeah. So why don't, why don't we just give it to them? So what would be your, what would you say to someone who might be listening right now that that's saying, oh, geez, you, you just put that stuff out there for free? I mean, couldn't our competitors just sort of copy that and, and take that and make it their own? You know, we, we need to keep that stuff behind closed doors for after we start the conversation. What's, what's your answer to that? Well, you don't always have to give like the most detailed possible CAD model to where they have all of your intellectual property. You know, in this industry, you want to protect your intellectual property. That's important. But if they really want something, they can buy it and reverse engineer it. And there they have it. Or they can call someone else to get the model from you. And then, you know, it's going to happen if they really want to get it. 
So why not just give it to them? And they're probably not going to reverse engineer it and build it themselves. If you understand like how, how things cost, what they cost, that would be unwise and a waste of money and time. So for me, it's like, I'm a little bit more open innovation and open source with my thinking. And I might as well be the one who gives it to them because if my competitor gives it to them, they'll, they'll get the order anyway. Yeah. And I think it's a hard adjustment for a lot of companies to make, but the, the reality is in a situation like that, more often than not, the reward is going to outweigh the risk. Because mm -hmm. if you're not doing it, eventually one of your competitors is, who's going to have their attention? The yeah. company that was scared to put it out there or the company that said, no, we're, we're going to make this, this buying process as straightforward and, and helpful as, as possible for our prospect. And you, you kind of want to transfer ownership before the sale. So you want them to feel like it's their thing. That's why I'm such a fan of like product selection tools and product configurators and things where, you know, what would, what would be the questions that your applications engineer would ask before you get to the product that's being built? Is there a way to kind of answer those questions digitally and save both people a bunch of time and get closer to the solution or even take it a step further and actually configure the product and have a price or a price range minus the final details that you would have to have that one-to-one -one conversation with somebody to get. And if there is a way to do that, in some cases, just too customized and it's impossible. But if there's a way to do that, what happens is that person who went through that and kind of like built their own solution, they feel like they already own it a little bit. The ownership has been transferred. It's my thing now. And I want this thing. I put in all the parameters. I, I said no to the things I don't need, yes to the things I do. And now here I am with the price and I'm going to buy that now. Or I'm going to have like the final conversation with someone to hash out the last few details and then buy it. So a lot of people are like, hey, I just want them to call me right away. It's like, well, time is money. It's going to take a bunch of time to go through all that with them. And if they can configure it themselves and get close, you'll save a bunch of time. And that, that psychological transfer of ownership, I think, does a lot to, to make someone want to buy from you. Makes total sense. So I published an article recently about 12 B2B marketing and sales books to consider reading this summer. And I think you commented very quickly on, on uh, my LinkedIn post when I sort of featured the first one because you and I have a lot, read a lot of the same books like you, you mentioned earlier. And first one on my list, which is, is one of my all-time favorites, is New Sales Simplified by Mike Weinberg. And I think your comment was, yeah, this one's mandatory reading for, for my sales team. And I was curious from your perspective, what, what was it about that particular book the, the you know, sort of golden nugget that, that you took away from that that made it mandatory reading? Well, that it's about new sales. So it's, I think in the title, it can be confusing. Like, is it new sales simplified, like a new book? Or, mm. and what he means is like new sales, like sales you don't already have, customers you don't have yet. It's about going and finding that next opportunity, that next relationship, that next partnership. And for me, you know, the guys I have in the field, the guys who have their head up looking around for that next opportunity, I want them to be focused on hunting, not farming. So I want them to focus on getting us a new customer, not uh, babysitting an account going on the same milk run. And that's what that book is all about. And it doesn't just say what I just said. It gives you some like actual simple but tactical ways to have success with hunting for new business. And uh, one of those ways is the, what he calls the sales story, or, you know, you call it like your elevator pitch or your, you know, unique sales proposition or whatever people call it. And I liked the format of that sales story, which is number one, talk about the issues or the problems that you solve for your target market. Then briefly discuss what you actually do. Like make that the shortest part of it. Here's what we offer. Here's our products. Here's our services. Keep that the short part. And then end with what's different and unique about your approach. 
And so if you follow that structure and sales conversation, you'll have a lot of success. And then what I found it being like a sales and marketing dude is that structure works super good for marketing content as well. So, so it's like that, you know, being able to tell a good story and making it about them and not yourself is consistent through sales and marketing, which is one of the reasons why I don't like to create distinctions when I don't have to. Totally love it. And I, what I mentioned in, in that article I wrote was exactly what you just said that, you know, this, I think it's chapter eight of that book is this idea of the sales story. And, and I agree, it's the best way to art that I've seen to articulate in very concisely the value you create and for who And it translates perfectly to writing positioning for your company that you know, there's so many, so many generalists out there. It's in my world as a marketer, it's in manufacturing world, you know, what, what really sets you apart and who is the audience you serve? You, you need yeah, everyone's the one stop shop yeah, or the yeah. one source solution. I still have uh, one of the uh, mouse pads that we made that says like one source solution. It's like, we're really not. I mean, there's so many things that we don't do. So I, yeah. I'm trying to squash all of that, but it goes back to what we were saying with, you know, what you communicate is your content. And so if you know how to communicate in a way that's audience centric or buyer centric, and the sales story is one of those ways, then you're going to have more success whether you're a salesperson or a marketer trying to help a salesperson. So love it. Totally. What else is on your summer reading list? Well, you know, you mentioned uh, New Sales Simplified, and that was the book we started with, but he wrote a follow-up book called Sales Management Simplified, and I thought that one was super good too. It's not on my list for, for this summer, but uh, I reread certain sections of it when it comes time to like think about how I'm going to do my sales meeting. His structure for sales meetings was, number one, you start, you don't have a long meeting, and you just review the results, the actual sales that the person got. And uh, the reason you start with the results, because at the end of the day, that's that's what sales is about, Get, you know, getting actual sales, not doing all your activities or how many doors did you knock on or you know how many posts did you put on LinkedIn or whatever. It ultimately comes down to the results. Did you bring revenue into the business? So you start with that. But any good manager knows you can't really manage results. This COVID thing is a perfect example. It's hard to push all of your salespeople and to push your company to have the best sales year ever when you know the economy shut down for months. So what's next after results? That's when you review the pipeline, the opportunities that could turn into a sale. And you talk one-on-one -on -one with your salesperson on, okay, what's in your pipeline? How did it get there? And how can I help you close it? And then ultimately, pipeline creates results. And so what creates pipeline? And what creates pipeline is like your day-to-day -day sales activities. So that's where CRM systems or however you log activity becomes immensely valuable because I need to see how they're creating pipeline. Where are they finding their new connections? What's on their calendar for next week? What, where did, what did they do last week? And so if the results are killing it, chances are they have a very full pipeline and that's because their activities are solid. So those meetings are a lot shorter than the meetings I have with people where, okay, you don't have results. Why not? Okay, well, your pipeline's not that full. And okay, so what are you doing? How, how do you spend your time? And, you know, how can we work together to figure out, okay, how you can have more success with how you spend your time. And so for me, that structure totally changed everything. And my sales guys know I'm going to communicate with that structure and they know what to expect and they know what's important. And what's important is the results. That's why we start with the results. But, you know, at the end of the day, you can't really manage results. You can just create pipeline through your activities. So I, I thought that was really valuable for a sales manager. Yeah, totally. Makes sense. So, yeah, check out those books, New Sales Simplified and Sales Management Simplified by Mike Weinberg. I think any, any manufacturing sales leader would greatly benefit from either of those. Okay, well, well, Nick, this has been a really awesome conversation. It was great to catch up and to do it publicly. We'll 
with, with the recording on, and I think you've, you've brought a lot of really great insights to, to the audience. So can you, can you tell our listeners what's the best place to, to find you or get in touch with you if they have follow-up questions? And please, you know, give your Making Chips podcast a plug too, because I think everybody here should be listening to that as well. Yeah, so as far as Making Chips, you can find us at makingchips.com. M-A-K-I-N-G chips, C-H-I-P-S dot com. It's also available on any of the podcatchers. So iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, you know, whatever you use to listen to podcasts. And then it's at AME and Hennig, where where I'm the marketing director and the sales director. Best way to communicate with me would be through LinkedIn. You could just search Nick Golner, G-O-E-L-L-N-E-R, and you'll find me on LinkedIn. That's that's the social media platform I'm most active on. Awesome. Well, Nick, thank you for taking the time to join us on our official first episode of The Manufacturing Executive. And for the rest of you, we will see you next time. You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.